Welcome to The Dolma Show, hosted by Australia's leading luxury interior designer, Katerina Barakowska. Katerina explores the lifestyles and interiors of some of the world's best-known and loved celebrities, entrepreneurs, and design experts, diving deep into their wardrobes, interior design choices, homes, and lifestyles, so you will be inspired for your own luxury design projects. You can find more inspiration at katerinabarakowska.com. Now relax and let's enter DOMA. Good morning, Nicole. Thank you for joining us this morning on the DOMA podcast. Thank you, Kay, for having me on. I'm very excited to speak with you. Yeah, it's a privilege to meet you this morning and I'm really excited to have a chat to you. You've got a very interesting story, so I can't wait to hear more. <laughs> I would like to start with an overarching story, though. Where have you come from? Where are you now? And what led you to this profession? Do you want to tell us more about, about that for our <laughs> listeners, please? Uh, absolutely. I, I don't know how long we've got on this podcast, but <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> keep it to see. <laughs> um, look, I've come from um, a background of uh, my undergrad is teaching, secondary teaching, um, so physics. Uh, and biology and outdoor education were my qualifications but I moved before actually teaching so after I graduated I started to work for Woolworths or Safeway and was asked to join their senior management program at the end of my university uh, degree so I jumped on board because I decided that I didn't want to teach at that point in time in my life I was very young and just thought no there's other things to do so the opportunity to work in retail and be trained by a really amazing organisation uh, presented itself. And I've always loved sort of jumping in where I feel, you know, um, there's a great fit, which there was. And then from that, I it, it started to become 24-7 groceries and retail. And I then moved into, after being with Woolworths for close to seven years as both the checkout during uni and then into their management program, moved into what a lot of other graduates from teaching were doing, and that was the pharmaceutical industry. So having a science background and a health background, I was able to move into that industry very successfully. And it was my time there that I then decided I wanted to move into marketing. So I went back to university and did a postgrad in marketing. And it's always been a big belief of mine too that you become as educated as possible on anything that you're doing. So if there was a course that I could do, then there was going to be something that I would extend myself for. So that became very important. From that, I went into a marketing position at the pharmaceutical company, Eli Lilly, who again were an amazing organization. And cut a long story short, met the the man of my dreams at university. Wow. And uh, he was then offered a job in San Francisco. And so I'd moved um, back to Melbourne um, and we went to San Francisco for what was supposed to be three years, but became one because he had to come back to Melbourne and run the company back here. Yeah. Um, but in that time, I couldn't work, of course, because I didn't have the right visa. So I used to, I did a lot of courses again, <laughs> and I learned how to trade options and also buy and sell foreclosed properties. 
and that began my uh, obsession with property. And and I thought coming back to Melbourne, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I love people and property, so I'll go down the real estate path. And that began with uh, obviously getting my qualifications. And the gentleman that took that course offered me a job at the end of it. And so I went into sales. And then about seven years later, I moved into buyer advocacy. Wow, what a diverse background. <laughs> That's super interesting. So a lot of different things along the way. As I say to my kids, you know, you, you may start the journey somewhere at point A, but you might end at point T and that's you never, okay. You never know where that journey will take you, but it sounds amazing. Very that's interesting. Right. How did you enjoy San Francisco? I've actually had a lot of clients from San, San Francisco, even though you couldn't work there. Did you enjoy the lifestyle? Loved it. It was probably, we, we actually didn't want to leave. We we loved it. We really found the most amazing apartment in an Art Deco block, which was, you know, we could see the bridge from uh, our rooftop and we had the most amazing group of people within that block. And we brought the good old Aussie spirit. The first day we moved in, we held a barbecue on the rooftop and everyone came and, and met each other, which they hadn't met each other. There were a lot of, there were older people and younger people and they hadn't met each other. And that barbecue actually cemented everybody's relationship. And then the young ones were bringing groceries up for the older ones. And it was just a beautiful start. A lot of fun. I've actually never heard anything negative about San Francisco from me. And I think you could. <laughs> no, no, that's amazing. So from, from retail to farmer to real estate, and now you're a buyer's agent, a luxury buyer's agent. What continues to inspire you day to day? I think no day is ever the same. And I think that I feel very privileged to take the journey with clients to find their dream home uh, or their dream lifestyle property. And I, you know, everybody's so different. So to hear yeah. their journeys, to hear what they're aspiring for and to really make sure that I'm looking after them. And so that they're doing, I always say, I want you to be doing cartwheels and handstands <laughs> and high fives at the end of this process, because I'm here to be your professional sounding board and to uncover and then acquire something very special for you. What do you find most rewarding? Is that what's most rewarding for you? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, what you yeah. yeah. It's very much about the right property mm -hmm. and then the right price. So if we don't even, if, if it's the wrong property, then even if it's the right price, they're not going to love it and they're not going to want to be there. Yeah. And they're going to spend a lot of money doing that. So I'm a firm believer that it must be the right property. And so we go through a lot of questions, a lot of covering to make sure that it is the right property. And a lot of clients start with a very different brief to what they end with because they mm -hmm. realize what they were looking for is actually quite different. And I find that fascinating. Sorry, Nicole, do you find that they're discovering along the way with you? Like they're, they're yes. fine-tuning? Absolutely fine-tuning. And I always say it's like a business plan. Mm -hmm. It can change and that is absolutely okay. And we need to revisit it. We need to ask the hard questions. We need to visit that property multiple times at different times of the day because a lot of people buy a property worth millions of dollars based on maybe one or two 15-minute inspections, which yes. I find incredibly bizarre. <laughs> and so it's it's very, I you know, I think it's a it is very much a job where 
you are there as a trusted professional and to be as open and honest as possible with what that property presents for them. If I'm doing an inspection for a client and they're overseas and I'm taking a video, I'm not showing them all the amazing things they can see on the seller's video. I'm telling them what's and all what's going on with this property. And of course, backing that up with professionals coming in for building and pest inspections and what have you. But it's very much about making sure it's their dream home. Beautiful. What do you find most challenging? Challenging? Well, at the moment in the market, challenging is trying to find the right stock. I mean, we're, we really are struggling to find really good properties that are available. And so that is probably the biggest market challenge at the moment. I think vendors are very realistic. They've come back to the realisation, although because they're such you know, little stock, they're also in a very powerful position to command what they're looking for as far as a price goes. So, so yeah, market conditions as far as lack of stock is definitely the most challenging at the moment. And do you actually sell properties off the plan as well? We tend to steer clear of off the plan. A lot of our clients like to touch and feel. They like that tangible element of a property, being able to see exactly what that view is, exactly what that space looks like. So off the plan for us is not a big a big segment of the market, but so we really do go for established dwellings. And how would you describe your home and style? Oh, so we've over the years, so I'll just give you a, a picture. We've got twins that are 17 and a, a, a girls and another girl that's 14. Now the twins have lived in 13 houses. And oh, wow. <laughs> because we love to buy and renovate and move on to the next project. All in Melbourne? All in Melbourne, yeah. yeah. So that gives you an idea of when I tell you about our current home, which is a double front of Victorian with a modern renovation at the back. It was bought because we don't have to do anything to it. But of course, we want to do something to it down yeah. the track. We'll, we'll put our own spin. The, the renovation was done about 15 years ago. So it's looking a little, you know, touches of brown and cream, <laughs> which is not on, not on yeah. trend at the moment. But at the end of the day, it, it's, it's often what I'm looking for for clients is it's got to have that something special. And yeah. so when we walked through this home, we felt that. We really felt like it had that something special which sort of you can't actually quantify that you feel it and I think that is part of my job too is to actually get that for a client what's your favorite aspect of your home what what attracted you and the family to it what one particular thing or a few yeah look it's very light and bright which is always really important because it makes you feel good but the room that is probably the most attractive to all of us is the formal lounge which has the open fireplace and it's cozy and so when we light the fire during winter we all just come around it and we don't need the tv on we don't need anything other than conversation with each other which I think is really special and you know being able to spend time with kids that are teenagers and have them talk to you is very special. Very rare at the moment and very special, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, perfect conversation pit around the fireplace. That's right, yeah. Do you have any pieces in your home that have been handed down from generations to you that you have a sentimental value to or um, that's very meaningful to you? It's a good question. We don't what well, we don't have many pieces. I do have uh some beautiful chess pieces actually. So yeah. 
They were handcrafted by my dad, my late father, and he was incredibly artistic. And all of I've got three sisters, so and two brothers, and we've all got pieces from the set. And I think that they remain incredibly important to me because they are showcased. And we also bought a beautiful step-down unit. It's a Japanese unit, which we bought with, you know, money that my father left us. And that has come from house to house to house. Oh, that's beautiful. It tells stories that you can share with your children as well. Absolutely. So a big part of your work is empowering buyers to acquire properties that are right for them. And they, on their terms, right for them, for their families. Can you speak about what this experience has been like for you? Like, is there anything that really stands out for you? And how do you help the buyers to work out what, to determine what's right for them? Obviously, you shared with me that finding the right property means everything to you and providing an ultimate service to your clients. But how do you determine what's right for them? Mm, it's a really good question and I think it starts with the first conversation and it starts with making sure that I understand or we understand their whole way of living so yes there's always that standard how many bedrooms bathrooms living spaces off-street parking garaging pools tennis courts uh, theatres etc but it's understanding how they live and to do that you really need to listen to them. And so it's asking the right questions that get them talking about their way of life day to day, what they're aspiring to, because quite often we're buying that next level of home for them, Mm -hmm. usually quite successful. And they're now looking to that next level of home where maybe they're going to do more corporate entertaining or they're going to let do less corporate entertaining and doing Mm -hmm. family functions and making sure that, you know, post-COVID, the briefs really did change as far as the spaces that people wanted so that they had the flexibility to work from home, have really good family time and have that connection with the family within the home. So it's really about making sure that you're listening. As we said before, the brief might change. And in, in one of those critical things, which I touched on before too, is that finding that special something. And quite often, they can't pinpoint what it is either, but it's really, you, you get that sense when you walk through. And I, there's a classic case. I had bought a couple of properties for a client and they said at the end of the whole of, you know, ticking off how many uh, bedrooms and bathrooms and everything, it has to have that something special, Nicole. And I got that. And I was like, I get it. We did look at 20 beautiful dream homes and when we finally found the one, we walked in and I just saw their shoulders completely relax. Oh, look at it's me. the best feeling, isn't but it? We got, I think we all got, you know, goosebumps and shivers and went, this is it. So, And then I quickly said, okay, don't say anything. <laughs> Let's just walk through and enjoy. <laughs> and then it got down to the business of negotiating. But we knew as soon as we walked into the entryway, I'd seen it before. So when I saw their reaction, it was, yeah, this is it. This is absolutely the home that we're going to acquire for them. In my job, I find that I really have to connect uh, with people in depth 
to understand their past, their heritage, their culture, to understand what excites them and to kind of bring the past into the present and help them look forward to the future. Do you find that's the same for you? And what does heritage and luxury lifestyle mean to you? And does that inform your work? Absolutely. And I think that, as I said, when you establish from the very start a connection with your clients, it is about them trusting that you understand them and that you've got their back. And it's about me trusting that they are committed to a process as well. And it's really important that heritage for a family, I mean, there's heritage properties, but there's heritage within a family. And the way, as we said before, the way they live, the way they're, they're culturally, you know, their upbringing, just understanding what makes them tick. And you only get that by getting to know them really well. And so I've never bought a property based on a quick bang, bang, see you later. I, I keep referring to the right property, but the right property is about that connection that they will feel with it and that it's going to meet everything that they've been looking for. And sometimes they don't know what that is, but you're leading them to to experience, you know, it might be a room where they know that every Friday night they're going to have guests over for a dinner or family over for a dinner. It's that beautiful library to house the books that their parents generations before handed down and being able to finally put them in a bookshelf and give them the beautiful uh, space that these books deserve and be able to use them and sit there and read and it's more than just finding that bricks and mortar isn't it it's oh absolutely it's that emotional connection and I find, I guess in my job, if um, there's cultural or heritage differences, like there's obviously the very um, diverse uh, population in Australia and we've got people from all sorts of cultures and backgrounds. And I find that in, with what I do, I get to create the missing links, whether it's a prayer room or whether it's anything specific that, that ties yeah. them to their culture. In, in your case, do you work with interior designers to achieve that or how do you make it happen for them? If it's not like they say they love their property, but it doesn't offer everything that they need for their cultural experiences. Yes, absolutely. So this is my 23rd year in real estate. So over the years and through my own renovations and what have you, being able to surround my clients with other great professionals is really important. So sometimes we go through a property and as you said, it's the right property, but it needs a lot of work or it's got great bones, but it, and it just needs to be brought back to life. So being able to walk through it with a trusted professional that's an architect or an interior designer to give them the understanding of what it could be. Obviously, I'm always able to talk about spaces with them, but to then add another layer of professionalism that is not my talent of interiors or architecture or into design of gardens and what have you, I think is really important. My my whole philosophy is to surround our clients and give them as much information as possible to make a really informed decision and feel confident about that Mm -hmm. and if that requires someone to come in and let them know how colors could change a room how cabinetry how lighting how soft furnishings are going to transform that space um, and be able to give them some visuals on that and then make that decision to move forward I think is really it's very special actually yeah, very important, a very important aspect of that purchasing and decision-making process, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. And you're a woman of many talents. I mean, you've got a very diverse background and you even found the time to write a book. 
<laughs> Where did you find that time? <laughs> so that took a while. I, I did have to get an extension from Hardy Grant Publishers, but I think that, you know, getting the chapters down was easy. I knew what I wanted to speak about. Making sure that it was a book that people could pick up at any point point of the book and go okay I'm going to auction what do I need to do what did she say about auctions I've got to I've got to prepare and be able to just turn to the auction section and go okay this is what I've got to do these are the tips and tricks so every chapter has a tips and tricks and gives as many again I mean if you read my book you'd actually probably not need me I have actually just ordered your book, so I look forward to reading it. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Oh, you should let me know. I would have sent one to you. But you can definitely pick it up at any any point. It probably needs a bit of an update given we've had COVID, but finding the time was difficult because like all writers, some days you feel very lucky to spit out a lot of information and others you're going, oh, that just sounds a bit boring. I've got to think of something a bit more motivational, I, I guess. But the kids were great. My husband, Zach, was great. But you need people around you that are, are going to give you that space to be able to be creative. Yeah, space and support, of course. How did you find the process of writing and publishing and consolidating many years of experience? How was that for you? Oh, it was great. It's funny, before Heidi Grant called me to write the book, a girlfriend had come over and she's very intuitive and she said, you're going to write a book and you're going to be on the cover. And I'm like, what? And I said, look, I've always wanted to write a book because I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge I want to share. I really love sharing as much information as possible. And if I can help one person buy better, I I feel like I've done my job. And, uh, And she said, you're going to write a book. And I kid you not, about two weeks later, I got a phone call from Hardy Grant saying, we'd like you to write a book. And I was like, (laughs) wow, she was intuitive. (laughs) The experience was amazing. Heidi Grant were really good and very supportive with clear direction. And I was very fortunate to be able to launch the book on a national television show. (laughs) So that was amazing. And to have it in many great bookstores and online to be able to purchase. So the experience was very positive. I would probably try and not do so much work in between if I was writing another one. (laughs) But give a busy person something to do and they get it done before anyone else. So I always say the busier, the more organized. Yes, that's right. We have to be. (laughs) So what advice would you give people interested already actively searching for properties and looking for their dream property? What would you advise them to do? So I think that one of the really important things, and before I even got into real estate myself, when my husband and I were buying our first property was to actually make sure that we were on the same page. And I mentioned this in the book. I mean, we went to an auction and we stopped halfway through. My husband says it's because they didn't, I said to them, they didn't have a a washing line. And I'm like, that is so not the case. (laughs) Uh, And I I preface that with, I was not in real estate at the time. But it's about being on the same page. So you really do need to understand your why are you buying this? Is it investment? Is it your dream home? What are the things you absolutely have to have? And what are the things that you'd like to have? So the have to haves have got to be ticked off. But the like to haves, well, if you'd like to have a pool and it doesn't have it, make sure you can put a pool in down the track. Where are the easements? All those sorts of things. But start with that list of 
absolutely have to have and would like to have. Work out your budget. Obviously, it's really important. And then I would limit your suburb choice to three primary suburbs. And then you might have a couple of secondary. But if you just go, okay, I'm just going to have a look at this price bracket all around the state, you're comparing apples and oranges and pears and bananas. And it's very hard if you're not in the space Mm -hmm. to become an expert in those little suburbs that you're looking for. So if you can become an expert by looking at just a few suburbs and understanding what it means to be on a different road, what it means to be with a different facing, whether you've got northern light, southern light, you know, what sort of building is it, why is there competition on something and and how do different estate agents work? I mean, there's so many variables when you're buying a home. You might fall in love with something and you've got enough money to buy it, but the estate agent is the gatekeeper at the end of the day and they leave you out of the loop because you maybe would plan your cards close to your chest and you didn't tell them you wanted it and they sell it before you understand that it was selling, then your dreams are crushed. So, you know, I would always advocate for a buyer's advocate because I think that they can have access to properties you can't find even in those suburbs that you've targeted. Uh, but they're going to be able to have that conversation that's not emotional with the estate agent. But if you're going to go alone, be as informed as possible. And that means getting to know each suburb really well. Go to auctions, understand the process of auctions. If they're private sales, find out how they're running the private sale. Are they going to come back to you? Are you putting in one offer and that's it? Uh, Get the contracts checked really important to get contracts checked before you move forward and make sure you've got your finance and they've told you what your terms are. Can I settle in 30 days? Do I have to wait 60 days? You know, am I making it subject to finance? All those sort of literal pieces that give you confidence to move forward need to be ticked off. I think everyone needs to read your book, Sold. (laughs) It's all in there. It's all in there. Nicole, do you sell Australia-wide or do you focus in Melbourne? Majority of my business is in Melbourne. I am licensed in New South Wales. And so I do fly up to New South Wales to purchase properties for clients that Mm. are either living there or they'd like to buy up there. And I work very strongly with agents in those areas to make sure that I'm completely informed. And I'm actually assisting a client that I help for a buy a home in Melbourne in Queensland next month, which will be very exciting getting to know the Queensland market. But again, I'll work with an agent that is, you know, highly qualified up there and knows what they're talking about and will vendor advocate for them and make sure that the process runs smoothly for them. Fantastic. We've got a few projects coming up over at the East Coast, so I'm sure we'll be in touch very soon. Oh, definitely. I'll come over to Perth. I love Perth. Yeah, I would love you to come to Perth and show you around. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thank you so much, Nicole. You've been absolutely amazing this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Kate. Lovely to be speaking with you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to The Doma Show, hosted by Australia's leading luxury interior designer, Katarina Barakowska. To find out more about Katarina and be inspired by her stunning luxury designs, visit katarinabarakowska.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Doma so you don't miss any episodes. Live in luxury, beauty, and love, always. <laughs>